privilege is all around you. It shows up in your clothes, where you live, the places you frequent, your network capital, and even how you spend your money. It's useless until you recognize it. So it's time to stop feeling guilty and figure out how to use your privilege to make an impact. Welcome to Guilty Privilege. Welcome to another episode of Guilty Privilege. My name is Amber Cabral, and today I have the privilege of hosting Jacqueline Baker, who is the founder of Scarlet Communications, one of my dearest friends, and who is going to tell you how to navigate etiquette. And trust me, it's not the way you think. It's one of those things that's gonna help you to be able to show up and use your privilege in an impactful way. We're gonna talk about not just etiquette, but also leadership. And here's a little hint, leadership also includes etiquette. Hope you lean in for the conversation. All right, Jacqueline, thanks for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Of course. I'm so excited about our conversation. Same. I feel like we don't spend enough time together. We actually don't. Like, I, I, I feel like I plan to be at things and then life happens or like we plan to be at the same thing and yeah. then life happens. So I'm really glad that we have found our way to this couch at the same time. Yes, yes, yes. yes. We have had some moments though. Yes. I mean, you came to book launch. I came oh, to your birthday party. Oh my God, the book launch. I can't wait to talk about that. Oh, your birthday party. Are we going to talk about that? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was also good. But no, we're not going to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> yes, we have had some really good moments. Yes. So I'm glad that you're able to join me. Um, so let's jump right in. Yep. Okay, you have a book that you wrote. Hey folks, please go buy this. It's called The Unexpected Leader, all right? By my good friend, Jacqueline. I want you to actually go out and grab this book because I think what she does really well is talk about some of the things that you are going to encounter as a leader that you may not realize are helping you to be a better leader. So on that note, I would love for you to let me know why it's so important to be disruptive to the status quo. Mm. Like I think one of the things that you do well is recognizing that like leadership doesn't have to be this cookie cutter, you know, catch all. You do that in other spaces in your life as well. Yeah. But what what about leadership specifically rang home for you around in terms of it being a space where you want to be disruptive? Absolutely. When we think of leadership or when most people think of leadership, they go straight to role, position, mm -hmm. status and title. Yes. They go to, OK, you got the corner office. You're the leader. That's it. Right. That's what they do. Yes. And that's what we probably have done at some point in our lives. At least I'll speak for myself. I have historically done right. that before. And the truth is that some of the best leaders that I know aren't in the corner office, mm -hmm. don't make the greatest amount of money, yeah. sometimes don't even work a traditional nine to five job. Yeah. They're the people that are really moving the needle throughout our organizations and in our family. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I think that that is so incredibly important for you to see yourself as a leader before you wait for someone to come and tap you on the shoulder to give you permission to do so. Mm -hmm. I talk about that quite a bit in the book. Yes. We talk about leadership in four levels, leadership of self, leadership of others, mm -hmm. leadership of communities and leadership of movements. Yes. But at that core level, quite frankly, I hope someone comes along and advocates for you in terms of you, you know, saying you're a leader or yeah. you have the potential to be. But ooh, it's so much more powerful when I say I give myself permission to be yeah. a leader. Also, I can't let this moment slip by, Amber, and I know you don't love this, but we're going <laughs> to roll here anyway. One of the reasons why the unexpected leader discovering the leader within you was birthed because someone extended their privilege to me and it was Amber. Right? <laughs> it was me. Amber made a call and said, hey, you need to meet my friend. You need to meet this woman who was already an author and is ready to explore going into her second book. Yep. And so you took your place of privilege and really offered that up to me. And so I have to say thank you in front yes. of the world. I've said it before, but I must <laughs> say it again. Thank you. And so this book partly exists. Yeah. I wrote it, but the introduction happened from you and for yeah. you. And so thank you for 
extending your privilege of to me. Of course. I'm mm. always eager to extend my privilege. Always. Mm. I think it is the thing we should do with privilege, honestly, yeah. um, which is kind of, you know, a personal mission for me is to get people, which is the purpose of this podcast, to get folks to understand like privilege is something that you can do something with. Sure. So absolutely. I love that. Um, so let's let's kind of get into some of the like the obvious things that people don't always want to talk about. Mm. So you are a black woman who wrote a book about leadership. Mm. Now, let's be very honest. <laughs> There's not a lot of you in the leadership book section. So why do you think it's important that we do have black women that write leadership books? Like, why do you why is the representation of your identity in this space so critical? It's important because it gives people the opportunity to see what's possible. Mm-hmm. You know, I made a mistake of us. Big mistake. I would say it's a big mistake. I have my master's degree in instructional technology from Wayne State University, fellow Detroiter yes, yes. right here. Also Wayne Stater. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. And I didn't walk for my master's degree mm. because I was too busy. Yeah. Right. Okay. I was probably yeah. like 24, 25, too busy. And I think about how much of a mistake that was mm-hmm. because I took the opportunity away from my little brother, my little sister, the people in my family, the people Mm -hmm. that were quietly watching me to see what was possible. Mm -hmm. And so I believe that it's important to see black women in this space of leadership, writing books, securing trademarks, producing podcasts, exploring the world because you can see what's possible. And so I think that that's why it's important. And what's so interesting to me is how when you say it's not a lot of black women in this space, I know this. Yes. I know this. But it still feels kind of wrong, right? It, it's like, is it, that real? Yeah. yeah. Whenever I hear there aren't a lot of black people doing anything, I'm like, but I'm around black people and do cool stuff all, all the time. All the time. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Yes. But in the greater scheme of things, yes. it's not nearly as much as you think no. or nearly as many as you think. No. Black, black is also small too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we're we're a small percentage of the, the population, particularly in the US. And so we, you know, we're like one person removed from knowing all of each other. So there's also that. But you're right. It yeah. does feel like we do know tons of people. We're like, what do you mean there aren't enough black people doing that? Right? right. So, yeah, for sure. Which is all, which is also interesting to me. Sidebar, but still within the realm of when you're in spaces and you are the only one, you're like, wait a minute. Yes. Like, I know so many others. How did we end up like in this situation? Yes. So many, right. <laughs> yes. But that's why you must. Yeah. It, it is just essential that people are able to see themselves in certain spaces. And Mm -hmm. so my place there, your place there opens that opportunity for other people. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. You remind me of a thing I say all the time um, when you speak about leadership of self Mm -hmm. and like the importance of seeing yourself as well is I always tell people you can have whatever you want. Mm -hmm. Right. And Mm -hmm. I live my life by that. Like I'm going to have what I want and I believe it is accessible to me. And I tell others that all the time and I post it constantly because it is ultimately exactly what you said. It is leadership of myself. It is me taking the part of my life that I get a say in and actually executing in that space instead of kind of handing it over to whimsy or chance or whatever. And to your point, I I do think that like when you think about there being other areas where you have an opportunity to be a leader, leadership of self gives you a lot of power in those spaces too. It does. And I think for people who are tactically listening, like, oh, this sounds good. This feels good. But how and what? Right. So many of us And I had to go on this journey for myself. Mm -hmm. But so many of us forget all the skills and qualities that we have. And we execute these skills. That's right. Every day. Every day. And then you leave these skills at the front door of your workplace. And in fact, when someone asks you what you are good at, Mm -hmm. you don't say any of them. Right. You don't. Right. But all along, you're delegating at home. That's right. 
You're having a difficult conversation right. with friends. You're the ultimate planner in your girls' That's trip. It. You've planned the boys' trip every year. Exactly. So you are organized, exactly. right? Exactly. But then you leave all those skill sets at the front door of your workplace mm-hmm. and you don't negotiate your, for yourself. You don't speak up for yourself. Yeah. And so I had to honestly go on that journey for myself and thinking back as a young girl, I never felt smart. Mm. My grades and my academics didn't reflect, you know, quote unquote, smartness, traditional smartness. Right. But truly what happened is when someone in my family passed away, I collected up this group of certificates that I didn't know existed. That was almost a proof point of actually you've been out here Mm. doing smart stuff. Yes. But for whatever reason, you know, maybe you got a bad grade in math or whatever, you carried around this this you're not smart. And it's honestly partly because I was a terrible standardized test taker. Oh my gosh, listen, me too. Listen, listen, I wasn't going to get into cast renaissance or King, listen. honey, because I couldn't take them tests. Let's be, let's be clear. <laughs> Jacqueline did not pass a test hey, to get into cast. me either. But I got in cast. Yeah, I did not. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. <laughs> but anyway, just, you know, for, from, from a tactical standpoint, just document your skills and yeah. your qualities. If you're still finding a hard time saying, you know what, I am a leader. What are what are the receipts like? What does the math really say or what yeah. are the facts really say? And they probably say you have a substantial amount of leadership skills Absolutely. and you can call yourself a leader. Absolutely. Yeah. So, I, you know, what you made me think about is like resume writing and mm. like how you communicate what you're good at. And I think sometimes what happens is you get so caught up in the pretty words mm-hmm. that you're like, how do I say this thing that you don't really think about the skill behind it? Yeah. Um, I was having a conversation with some clients uh probably in the last couple of weeks, actually, where I was talking about uh, specifically managerial. No, no, no. Leading through ambiguity. Mm. And what I was trying to highlight is that you have to also listen equitably the same way someone is going to tell their version of a story. You have to have the ear that hears equitably. And by that, I mean, I might come in and give you an example that sounds like you know, I used to have this really old Honda Accord. Mm. I drove that Honda Accord for 14 years and probably at year 10, the gas gauge went out. I went to go get re- get it repaired. They didn't make the part anymore. So I figured out that if I filled my tank up on Wednesday, I could make it to Saturday morning. Mm. And so I would always fill up on Saturday mornings and on Wednesday. Well, that's ambiguity. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much gas is in this vehicle. Yeah. And I am therefore leading through ambiguity because mm-hmm. I'm making sure that I'm not on the side of the road needing help every week. Right? Absolutely. But we don't hear that story the same way we hear the story of someone coming in and saying, well, you know, I was leading this big project at this large corporation Mm -hmm. where I had to get, you know, 14 people trained over a matter of two weeks, but they were all in different locations. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't really sure exactly where they were starting at. We hear that as leading through ambiguity, but we don't hear the first one. And so I do think to your point, like that self-assessment, that critical look at what we're doing Mm -hmm. and getting away from the pretty words is really important yeah. because you can miss that you have the skill and it might not have shown up in the workplace. Right. It might have been in your personal life. It might have been in your survival, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but it is still a thing that you know how to do. I hope you're enjoying today's episode. And if you happen to also be looking for tools to help you navigate tough conversations, to be able to show up as a more impactful ally, or just to have resources about how to navigate equity in your world, I've written two books. My first book is called Allies and Advocates, and this book is really focused on helping you show up as a more impactful ally. It has actual tactics and tips and things that you can practice to help you get there, both for yourself and for others. My second book is called Say More About That. Now, Say More About That is more about helping you to speak up, to push back, to challenge, to be able to have those conversations that sometimes get a little bit difficult. And in fact, I've given you actual scripts to help you to be able to do that. So if you're interested in just having a few extra resources in your pocket to be able to help you to navigate any of those things. You can go pick up those books anywhere where you buy books, or you can pop down into the show notes and click the links and buy them there. Back to the episode.
And I think that quite frankly, your ability to see yourself as a leader outside the workplace mm-hmm. is actually more powerful than seeing yourself oh, yeah. as a leader in the workplace, oh, right? for sure. And it's not that I don't think that you should see yourself as a leader at your job, but most people aren't gonna work that same job for the rest of their life. Absolutely. But if, you, if I see myself as a leader all the time, that's gonna span this job, the next job, the next job as well. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I wanna talk a little bit about your etiquette business. Let's. Okay, so tell me first a little bit about Scarlet. Mm. Like how did how did you get started? How did you know etiquette was your thing? And then I've got a, a couple fun questions, some of which I'm sure lots of people probably asked you, but I think are worth discussing. Awesome. I was an entrepreneur early in my yeah. life. Mm-hmm. Scarlet's not my first company. Okay. I was a wedding and event producer. For oh, eight- I actually know this. Okay. No, no, no. I do know this. Yes, that's right. I do know this. You, you married a couple people I know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Oh, right. Who are no longer married, They're but that's weak. not your fault. Okay. That's them. Okay. Hey, listen, <laughs> I was a wedding and event producer for eight years. Started mm-hmm. my first company when I was 22. I never fell in love with weddings per se. Mm. But I did fall in love with order and protocol. Yes. I'm always curious about like why things need to happen in this order mm-hmm. and what's the benefit to it happening in that order. Like I fell in love with that. Mm-hmm. And so Opal E Event Planning, which was the first company, really set the foundation for the launch of Scarlet. Okay. Right. When we decided, me and my business partner decided, okay, this has been a good run. Yeah. We're good friends. Let's stay good friends. Let's move on with our lives. Mm-hmm. I took with me this desire to continue living in the space of etiquette and protocol. Mm. I looked around Detroit 11 years ago when we started Scarlet and I noticed no one was teaching etiquette to teen girls in a way that I thought mattered. Mm. And a way that I thought mattered wasn't tea partying, wasn't curtsying, it wasn't like, you know. It's very like kind of antiquated, whimsical. anti-tea parties i'm right. not anti-debutantes cotillions any of the things like right. I, I facilitate but that's not a day-to-day it's not a day-to-day i was curious about really usable skills how can i transition from space to f- space and feel confident how can i show up in spaces and feel good how can i negotiate in a way to feel good about myself and what's the etiquette and protocol around that mm. i literally just start teaching and i was like i want to do this so mm. i started the company one day okay okay Love that. I remember the first organization that I piloted the program with was the Rhonda Walker Foundation in the Metro Detroit area. Well, what happened is, I don't know if you know this part of the story because I'm not sure if we talked about it. Six months into doing the work, the Detroit Lions called Hmm. randomly and asked if I would teach etiquette to their rookie players. Oh, wow. And I was like, I guess. Sure. Sure. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Why not? Right. Which has been a key to my career, by the way, Mm. is I am always willing to hear the question. Yeah. Always willing to consider the conversation before I say, no, 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 I don't teach professional athletes. Like I was like, let me hear this out. Yes. I had a six year contract with the Detroit Lions teaching rookie players. Yeah. That's amazing. And that pivot or that opportunity, I'll say, is what opened my eyes to see, oh, there are more people that are interested in this etiquette space. Right. But that's what planted the seed for Scarlett to be essentially what it is today. But we started solely as an etiquette company. That's where we began. Yeah. I'm still very much committed to that space for lots of reasons, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Yes. Let's touch on it, actually. I kind of want to zoom in on, you know, because we're talking about guilty privilege, Mm -hmm. I want to talk a little bit about etiquette from the standpoint of, I think a lot of times people end up in spaces where they feel like they don't know the proper etiquette. Mm -hmm. And so it's a really easy way for people to feel very exposed or maybe like, ooh, how do I navigate Mm -hmm. this? I actually was talking um, to a friend of mine just yesterday who didn't know how to properly open a bottle of wine Mm -hmm. and had a coworker kind of call them out on it, you Mm -hmm. know, which was embarrassing, Mm -hmm. right? And so how how does 
how do you kind of overcome that so that people get to the place where they're interested in leaning in instead of feeling like it's a place of criticism? Because you know how it is. Adults are just not really the best at being open to correction. Mm -hmm. We should be, Mm -hmm. but we're not always there. Yeah. Let's start with the baseline. What is etiquette? What is it? Etiquette is the accepted code of behavior for particular situations. Mm -hmm. That's all that it is, right? One of the best ways to ensure that people feel like I fit etiquette is for me, this makes sense for me, is to break it down to the baseline of how it applies to your life. You like a bit of football, don't you? I do. Okay. What's one thing that a man does to another man on the football field? Completely acceptable on the field, but walking down the street, it ain't all right. Definitely the slapping of the behind. Slapping of the butt. It is completely happens all the time. Acceptable. Yeah. That is the proper etiquette, etiquette and protocol of being on the floor. Mm. That's it, right? When you make it relatable and see like there is etiquette and protocol that shows up in all of our lives. Yes. Like there's rules and you know guidance all over the place. Mm-hmm. Just make people see and help people understand like it is a place for it for me, yeah. right? Now, I know that there, there are some limits and there's some flexibility that etiquette and protocol must align with to make sure that it continues to be equitable, that it continues to be something where um, if the rules don't change anymore, don't, don't make sense anymore, like let's switch these yeah, up. Yeah, let's flex. I mean, think about it. There was a time when black women wearing their natural hair in the workplace was out incredibly of the frowned upon. Yeah, out right? of the question. We have switched out of that. Yeah. Why? Because it doesn't, it, it never made sense. Yeah, it never made sense. Right. But we have now gotten to the point where we are willing. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But a couple things I want people to keep in mind as they're thinking about etiquette and protocol. First of all, it's for you. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's for everybody. But secondly, just because you know what the etiquette and protocol is of a situation doesn't mean that you now have permission to shame other people who don't. Thank you okay. for that. And I made a, a big mistake early in my life. I wouldn't say in the etiquette career, but early in my life, in my early 20s. My very first business partner, Zim Morogi. I remember when I first met her. Mm-hmm. Our boss walked into my office. Her name was Gretchen Simon. She said, Jacqueline, meet Zimmon. Zimmon, meet Jacqueline. And Zimmon shook my hand like this. Give me your hand. Mm. You know, that wet rag. Oh, right? wow. What do you think I did? I have no idea. I think I would have probably been like, oh, clearly you don't like me or taking my hand back. I did something that we mostly do every day with our minds. We try not to do it, but we do it. Made a little judgment. I judged her. Yeah, you made a little judgment. I judged her. Mm -hmm. I thought to myself, who shakes hands like this? Right. What's wrong with you? Right. But I forgot about a lot of things. I didn't think about culture. Mm. I didn't think about the privilege that I had had in in this country of learning the proper way to shake a hand. Correct. But that's what we do. We go out and we learn all this etiquette and protocol. That's right. And we're like, I know it. And now you're looking down at people for not having it. And everyone's afraid of that. Right. Everyone's afraid of that. Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. Even though I encourage the learning and the protocol and the etiquette, Give other people permission to walk their journey of learning it or use your privilege to teach them. Thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, So I know just as a separate matter, you know, I can remember when you and I were first getting to know each other. One of the things I was like, okay, wait a minute. She teaches etiquette. (laughs) I am sure that I don't remember the things that I taught. And I will say you never at any point have been like, oh. You are using plastic silverware. I don't use plastic silverware, y'all, just so you know. (laughs) But um, yeah, I mean, you don't. You 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 have been very intentional and deliberate about. I mean, first of all, you can throw a party, but also you're deliberate about. You can throw a party, okay? (laughs) But you've been deliberate about curating a space that feels welcoming, even if you aren't a person that's moving in. You know, very informed Mm -hmm. etiquette. You know, protocol. It's important, and I will say this: it is very rare that you'll see me out in social spaces 
telling people I a part of my career is teaching etiquette for yeah. a living. It makes people uncomfortable. Oh, yeah. And I know that. Yeah. Right now, if it comes up or it makes sense for me to bring it up, especially like if we're dining together, mm -hmm. I try hard to not bring it up in the middle of dining. I can see that. Because people, I can, I can totally just see, see the shift of everyone's energy. Yeah, they get nervous. Like, is this the right form? They get uncomfortable. Yes. And they put me to work. Jacqueline, what do you think about it? I'm like, I am here to for enjoy the shenanigans my meal just like and you hang are. out. Yes. I'm here to pretend I don't teach etiquette right now because we're about to take shots. Right. And then, and then what? <laughs> right. right? And then what? Right. 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 Exactly. We're going to tip a dollar shot because that's proper etiquette okay. but All right. I don't I try not to do that because I know that it makes people uncomfortable mm. yeah hey there I hope you're enjoying the episode and in fact if you are you can bring me to your organization or event to help you bring conversations like this to life in your workspaces this is something I do for a living I do coaching I do training I do executive consulting whatever it is that you might need as it relates to trying to figure out how to activate allyship or equity in your space it's probably something I can support so if you're interested in how we can work together, you can reach out to me at cabralco.com or pop down into the show notes and click the link, book a discovery call, and we will chat with you soon. Back to the show. That's really useful. I, I think there's a lesson there for anyone who is particularly skilled in a space to mm -hmm. take away. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that's a leadership moment for sure to just remember that like, just because you know it, mm. It's not responsible to assume everyone knows it, right. right? And the impact of doing so is detrimental to you as well as that person. Yeah, I think that's really, really, uh, really key. Um, okay, is there an etiquette divide? Do you think that there is potentially, you know, some separation, you know, by those who, you know, kind of to what we were just talking about, those who are in the know or in particular positions? you know, and have access and, you know, have, you know, certain experiences that have given them this particular experience because of their knowing how to navigate with a certain type of etiquette. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a bit of a struggle in our business, mm -hmm. to be honest with mm -hmm. you, because I am very clear that a lot of the people that need our etiquette training the most mm -hmm. are also devoid of the budget that's required. That's it to bring me in to conduct the services. Yeah. I continue to stay committed to flying back to whatever community is necessary, mm -hmm. honestly, at a fraction of the cost of what our corporate clients pay us. Absolutely. And so people ask me a lot of time, why do you keep going here? Why do you keep going there? Like, why do you keep showing up here? And it's like, well, I have to. Yeah. And quite frankly, this is what our business was built on. When we started teaching etiquette to teen girls. Mm -hmm. And so I all, I, I believe that we will always have a space in making sure that we provide those services to communities or to individuals who where the budget does not allow it. Yeah. But yes, there's an etiquette divide. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Yeah. And I would love to see a shift in the resources that are provided to people that need these services the most yeah. or this training the most. Because if you're going to expect for people to grow into their career, to grow as professionals, we have to provide them with the tools that's necessary to be successful, absolutely. right? And so, absolutely, etiquette yeah. divide all day long. Yeah, yeah. So, tell me a little bit more about what Scarlett's doing now. Mm. Scarlett is a leadership consultancy, mm -hmm. which we've grown to be. Yes, um, we, as I mentioned before, solely operated in the etiquette space for many, many years. Mm -hmm. 
now over time, we've grown to be a leadership consultancy. And one of the things that we do is teach etiquette. Mm -hmm. We do a couple different things. Number one, we do multi-month leadership training with a lot of Fortune 500 and 100 companies. Mm -hmm. We do leadership coaching. And we also do a number of digital um, services as well, including webinars. Mm -hmm. So those are the spaces that we hugely show up in. We also have a sub-brand called Just Start mm -hmm. that gives people the resources and tools to truly start the things that they want to do mm -hmm. as well. And there is an accompanying podcast, by it the way. It is an accompanying podcast. With the same name. <laughs> just Start from Ideas to Action. Absolutely. Yes. Which a lot of people believe that the sub-brand is specifically for entrepreneurs. Oh, really? I'm which, surprised by that. Well, because when you think start, oh, okay. people think, yeah. let me go start New a business. business. Right. Yes, okay. But think about all the things in your corporate career. Yeah. Right? If you're <laughs> it's a all of it's a start. Right. I'm going to start time. learning how to be a better public speaker. That's right. I'm going to start speaking up for myself. Yeah. Like, use that yeah. in your life overall. Not just if you're thinking about starting a business off the side of your desk or whatever it is. Yeah. But yeah, we also have that sub brand that has really just it just warms my heart because mm. truly the Just Start platform gives people the permission that they don't really need to yes. start the stuff that they really want to do. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that moment where you're like, you know, this is the thing I needed to see today. Exactly. <laughs> right. I feel like your content is often that oh. it is very much the. You know, that was a nudge I needed. Yeah, okay, that's what got I needed. it. Let me go ahead and get started on this thing I've been saying I want to do. And I knew it. Yeah. I know it. It's just that, oh, I needed a reminder. Yes, mm -hmm. absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. So I want to talk a little bit about your career. So you, you've you worked in a number of spaces. You were in corporate. Mm -hmm. You mentioned you started a number of businesses. Mm -hmm. You are now currently um, leading uh, the organization, you know, that you have started earlier, you know, but kind of did while you were mm -hmm. in your corporate career and now have branched Double out life. to do that only. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, I just would love to just kind of talk about what leadership has looked like from an evolutionary standpoint in those mm. spaces. Like, so, I mean, this podcast being about privilege, you've had the privilege of yeah. working in several little worlds. I'd love, or big worlds, really, <laughs> because you've also sat on some boards. Yeah. So I would love to just hear from you, you know, a little bit about that evolution and the impact that you've been able to make through that. And how, what, what are the lessons? What are the leadership mm. lessons that you've gotten through that experience? First lesson, which I mentioned previously, but probably the one of the most important ones is Take the call, listen to the conversation. Yes, every right? time. Because one of the stops that I made that you vaguely mentioned as it relates to being you know, in the executive corporate space, my last corporate role, I served as vice president of startup programming mm -hmm. at AARP Innovation Labs. Mistake stop, quite frankly. Yeah. It's totally a mistake. When, when we first moved to the DC area from Detroit, I got a message in my LinkedIn box that no. said, hey, are you interested in an event management consulting position? And I was like, not really. Right. But <laughs> let me follow, let me follow this model that's worked for me for my life and just have the conversation. Yeah. I played the back seat a long time. I was at AARP for eight years while building the company at the same time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cult, living the double life. And throughout that journey of being there, I had three different roles. Last one as vice president. Mm -hmm. Right. And every single time it was a transition of, hey, interested in you for this role. Let's just talk about it interested in you for this role. Let's just talk about it. Mm. And I think that some people see your leadership potential and your opportunities and you don't. Yeah. And sometimes you're just like, oh, that's okay. Like I didn't go to school for that. Right. I'm not interested in that. Right. And that role or that stint honestly changed my life. Like I, I got introduced to startup work in ways that are hugely beneficial because I do a, a number of things with startups yeah. now. And so number one on my leadership journey understanding how important it is to listen to the conversation before you make the decision, no, this isn't for me or this doesn't make sense. Yeah. So that's number one. 
Number two is to make sure that you are following as you lead. Yes, I can see that. Okay. And because leadership is a servant. Yes. Or it, it, it can and should be right. It can and should be. And yeah. I talk about this in the book. I talk about the importance of just knowing when you need to step aside and follow mm -hmm. versus always being in the spotlight. That's right. And I learned about that in the biggest possible way when I gave myself permission to leave corporate. Yeah. yeah. I remember this. Yeah. I remember, <laughs> I remember this. It. What happened? A series of two things happened. Number one, I got COVID. Yeah. And I had a loved one that passed away mm -hmm. unexpectedly. And those two periods of my life forced me to step out of the spotlight. And I knew in my mind that I was leaving corporate and I knew that it was time for me to allow my team to step up, make their mistakes, do their, do whatever was necessary. Even if I was uncomfortable with it, even if I knew that the things that I have been performing, I can do them, not think hard about them. Right. It's not my time anymore. Mm -hmm. Like I need to step aside so they can build the confidence that's necessary for them to do the job without me being there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think so many times when you get in this, you know, in, in forward facing or, or I'll say, um, you, you, when you're in the spotlight, you forget that, hey, maybe there's something else that I want to do or another path I want to go down. I need to leave space for other people to to jump into the spotlight yep. as well. So it's not necessary for you to always be in the spotlight. I, I, I knew that, but I think I just got so engulfed in it and I was relied on so much that it was harder to step to the side. Than yeah, what it I was expected. routine. It was routine. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. two big lessons there. Um, I'll say two, another one is I'm uncomfortable a lot. That's good. I recommend it. Me too. I'm uncomfortable a lot. Yeah. A lot more than people believe or think yeah. that I am. Because you don't always see it. You don't. And I yeah. and I mask it well. I've been working stages since the fourth grade, right? Like I know how to look confident. Yeah. I know, you know, I know it like the back of my hand, but I am uncomfortable a lot. Mm -hmm. And I share that. And the reason I share that and I talk about anxiety that I manage and I talk about, you know, sometimes self-doubt that I manage is because I think that, too, is much more beneficial than telling people I have master's degrees and trademarks oh, yes. and all that. Instead, hey, I'm like, human. I'm human. <laughs> yes. But also to set people up for a successful experience as they navigate their spaces. Because yes. if I tell somebody like, yeah, you know, you should join this board. You should. Then they get in the space. They're like, oh, my gosh, like I am a little overwhelmed. Yes. It's OK. You're That's gonna be part of it. You're going to be overwhelmed those first two meetings. Yeah. And then you're going to be okay. You'll be you don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And so I think that that's another important lesson as well. I love those. Those are great mm -hmm. lessons to take away. And honestly, I think when I think about my career transition mm -hmm. as well, that my learnings were very similar. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, always ask the question, be willing to be bold and brave. Like, you know, definitely, definitely put yourself in the position of being uncomfortable. Mm. Like nothing comes out of comfort. Other, I mean, you know, the yeah. growth comes out of the, the uncomfortable. Right. So and absolutely. It's, and it's, and it's feel, it feels different the next time, right? Like every single, yeah, every single exposure makes it easier. Absolutely. Yeah, for mm -hmm. sure. Definitely mm -hmm. would say that. Yeah. Okay. So this podcast is called Guilty Privilege. Oh boy. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason I called it that is because I think that most people think of privilege as either something they don't have, so they don't have awareness of their own privilege, mm -hmm. or if they do have privilege and they're aware of it, they feel guilty about it. They mm -hmm. feel ashamed or they try to hide it. And honestly, as we've talked about in our conversation, yeah. privilege is something that you can share. It helps you. It's powerful. It yeah. gives you an opportunity to make an impact. So my last question for you is, what is one privilege that you have that you refuse to feel guilty about? I have the privilege of not having dependents by choice. Mm -hmm. 
which allows a flexible life mm -hmm. that lets us serve other people, give to other people, show up with our time in ways that other people can't. And I suppose I'm not really willing to give it up. It's, <laughs> it's not in the cards for me to give it up. Agreed on that privilege, friend. You and I are aligned there. And I mean, dependence all around, like no animals, you know, no Same. children. Yeah, and I mean, a part of it in full transparency is, you know, kids weren't on the priority menu list for yeah. Myanmar. Quite in full transparency, they weren't, yeah. right? But do we have godchildren that yeah. reap the benefits? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do. I do have a second one though as well. I'd love to hear it. Okay, I'd love to tell you. Let's hear it. You know we love to host. Y'all love to host. We love to host. We love to have people over. Y'all love it. <laughs> and some of my friends give me a hard time. Like you know how you don't use disposable? No, no, no. <laughs> You come to my house, you're drinking out of you're real glasses. You're going to eat on a plate. You're I am the you, same you, way. You're eating off China. You're eating off a real plate. You're going to have an actual fork. We are not eating out of plasticware in my house. What are you doing? It feels good. I It agree. tastes better. And I deserve to feel good every time I sit down to Absolutely. a meal. I feel the same. I'm the same. Yeah, so I guess that's a, a fun but yes. real second one for yeah, sure. Listen, I agree with that one as well. <laughs> All right, Jacqueline, thank you so much for coming on. This was a good time together. We have to make more like, I, I'm coming to the next party. I don't know. Amber. I mean, listen. I don't know, y'all. Listen, listen, listen. I don't oh know. If she don't show up for the next <laughs> dinner party, I don't know what I'm gonna do. But okay. I'm probably gonna talk junk about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you talk junk about it, tag me, <laughs> and then I will reply and apologetically <laughs> beg to be invited to the next party again. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you for having All me. All right, have a good one. You too. All right.